What's up? What's up, bitches? Welcome back to another week of Positively Uncensored. It's your host, Leah, and this is your favorite reality, entertainment, television, and interview podcast. This week, I'm switching it up just a little bit. So for this episode, first of all, I'm solo. It's just me. I'm not interviewing anybody. I'm just going to deep dive a show that has made all of the headlines, has made a lot of headway in being highly controversial, and I'm going to get into it for the sole purpose of sparing you. You don't have to watch the idol. I watched it for you. I watched all five episodes. I went back, re-watched episode one, and that is what I'm going to dive into today. Before I get into that, let me just give a little bit of an update. I always want to be completely transparent on here, and lately it's been a little hard for me to record. I don't know if it's the stress of the world which, you know, I'm trying to work through every day and just siphon it out as I can. But men have been menning. The world has been hateful. Terrible decisions have been made that impact minorities, people of color, the queer community, women. You know, um, all of this news is disheartening to take in. And, you know, On top of all of that coming in, there's just so much television to watch. You know, I try to not get overwhelmed with all of the constant influx of information. And because I enjoy the podcast, you know, there's a lot of shows that I like to cover, but I definitely can't get into all of them. So I'm going to spare myself this summer, this fall. I'm going to just take on the shows that I thoroughly enjoy, you know, talking about. And those are the ones I'm going to get into. I will be getting into The Bachelorette. Um, I'm not sure what week I'm going to jump in at, you know. Um, There's a couple podcasts out there that I'm enjoying listening to their recaps. There's Two Black Girls, One Rose. There's Bachelor Rabbit Hole. Um, You know, I'm also enjoying Ash Talks Batch newsletter each week. So I'm just kind of, you know, the same as all of you in the way that I like to listen to stuff too. So I'm listening to their recaps for right now. I will get into The Bachelorette, but my schedule and my mind frame just isn't allowing it right now. Um, I want to tell you that I watched a show called Blackbird on Apple TV recently, and Apple TV has been a good investment for me so far. I was able to watch Severance, which I loved. It was kind of sci-fi-esque, trippy it, it was almost Black Mirror um, style, and then I watched Blackbird. I have a couple of other shows saved, but Blackbird is a murder mystery, and it's about a serial killer who was killing young women. Um, in some cases, I think in most cases, they were teenage girls. Um, so it's a heavy series. It's based off of a true story. Um, it follows another person who is in prison and attempting to lessen his sentence and get out early by eliciting a confession on where the bodies are from this serial killer. So the series is crazy. He transfers prisons. Um, It's very intense. At times it's gory. Like I said, it does detail, you know, teenagers. So it's a heavy storyline, but it was 
if you're into true crime, you know, it's something that will pull you in from episode one and will also make you think about locking your door um, and telling every young girl you know to also lock her door. I give that show like a 9 or a 10 out of 10, honestly. It was one of the best shows that I've consumed in a while, just in terms of it took me such little time to get through. Um, Summer House Martha's Vineyard was wrapped up. We did not get a reunion, um, so I got a chance to talk with Bria. Super exciting. Bria was giving so much behind the scenes and insight into Summer House Martha's Vineyard that makes me even more excited to see all of the cast members come back together for season two, which I'm praying is in the works. I saw on Instagram today, it's Tuesday, I saw Simon post that he was on his way to the Hamptons, and I'm sure that him and Bria could just be going for fun, but I have to selfishly hope that that means that filming is underway and like something's going on because loved season one of Summer House Martha's Vineyard. And I'm not sure when this episode is going to come out, whether it's before my interview or after my interview with Tiff Dare, but I get a chance to talk with Tiff from the Ultimatum Queer Love. I'm so excited. I have so many questions for Tiff. I can't wait to follow up on the experience of the show, on how they're doing at this point in their life, um, if there's any new relationships. I just want to know everything. And with how successful the interview with Aussie and Sam went, I know that all of you are just dying for the scoop too. So that's coming. Even though the Ultimatum Queer Love is wrapped up, I'm still going to be talking about it on the podcast. So I'm going to do the idol. I'm going to recap every episode. Like I said, if you are against the misogyny of the show and if you don't want to you know contribute to downloads and views um don't watch it I'm going to recap it for you I'll tell you the problems with the show I'll recap in detail every single episode I'm going to be doing that this summer I'm also like I said going to get into the bachelorette and I'm not going to talk about the claim to fame, but I do recommend watching it. It comes on each week right before The Bachelorette, so it's at the 8 p.m. time slot on Mondays. The hosts kind of throw me off. You know, I used to be a Jonas Brothers fan, but could could leave them now. Um, but, you know, the concept is cool because it's Kevin Jonas, who is arguably the least famous Jonas Brother anyways. Like, maybe they... I, I, I can't help but think they should have picked Joe or Nick... But anyways, and then the the brother whose name we don't know and dead ass I still don't know. I'm not even trying to throw shade, but the whole premise of the show is people are in the house that have very famous relatives and they are given clues each week to try to undercover who's in the house and who their relative is. If you find out who your relative is, you're sent home. So... The concept of the show being about you're related to someone famous and the hosts being chose is kind of funny. Um, And I guess that makes it even funnier that I can't think of his name. Somebody tell me what the youngest... Frankie. Frankie Jonas. I'm not going to do Frankie like that. Frankie Jonas. So watch those shows. I did get a little bit into the Nexium cult because I was like, what the fuck? This actress from Smallville went to prison. Now she's being released from prison. Like, what is all of this? The documentary series itself that I attempted to watch to understand the cult was very boring. Season one, it, it was two seasons. Season one was interesting, I guess. Season two focused way too heavily 
on people who felt like the cult was positive, and I don't need to see those interviews. I want to hear more about why the cult leader is a piece of shit. I want to hear more about the abuse that went on and exploiting that, uncovering it, um, giving the victims a sense of justice for what happened to them. And the documentary really missed the mark. But I do advise, if you can find something else, let me know. Send it to me on Instagram. The Vow was on HBO. The Nexium Cult, spelled N-X-V-I-M, was interesting. A lot of celebrities and, like, royal heirs were... A part of this cult, um, the fact that it even existed was interesting. Having just watched the documentary about the Duggars, Shiny Happy People, which felt like Christian fundamentalism very much is a cult. I'm kind of like in a cult wave and true crime, kind of dipping my toes back in. So read about it a little bit. Let me know if you think it's interesting. If you're listening to this and you're like, I'm so invested Tell me if you find another documentary. Tell me if you want me to talk more about what the cult is. But I just wanted to give some leeway and some idea as to what I'm going to do this summer on the podcast. So super exciting interview coming up with Tiff this week on Thursday. Set your calendars, turn your notifications on. And just a reminder, if you don't have your notifications on for Positively Uncensored podcast, You should turn them on, on Apple and Spotify. It's not annoying. You're not getting emails. It's just a notification to your phone when I drop a new episode. The episode title comes up. It tells you exactly what it is so that you can get excited or decide, let me watch that show first. You know, turn on your notifications. Make sure to leave me a review. I have so many listeners that I'm so thankful for, and everyone listens so dutifully. And I think a lot of people have left reviews, and then I think a lot of people forget, which is totally fine. But leave me a review. I'm so appreciative of it. It makes my podcast show up easier. When people search for my podcast, they can find me. Um, And all I want to do is grow the pod, get the opportunity to talk to more and more like reality interests that we have, like where's Raquel? I'm still trying to manifest getting Raquel, finding who her PR person is on the show. Oh, and I'm going to talk about Kardashians. Whenever I think of PR, I always think of Kardashians because that's a family just driven by PR decisions and we see it unfold on television. So I am going to talk about the Kardashians. I'm going to talk about what I think the show is going for this season, what we got instead. I talked with someone who does PR in Hollywood. It's funny. She comments on my stories whenever I like release a PR theory. And so far she thinks I've been right about Sandoval's theory, Raquel, and now what's going on with the Kardashians. So I'm going to talk more about that. And without further ado... Let's get into the idol and all of its debauchery. The first song you recorded after your mother? Yeah. That's a clip from the show. And that was Weekend, who's playing Tedros. And that's, if you felt uncomfortable listening to just that scene... That's pretty much the theme of this entire show. Um, A girl suffering from mental illness, dealing with and coping with the loss of her mother, who was abusive, while dealing with the 
poll of all of the managers in her life, um, the friends who also act as business partners um, and also managers of her life as well, um, and the balance of that and having any sense of autonomy. Where the show goes south is that Jocelyn's sense of autonomy is terrible. She has no self-advocacy for herself in any situation or opportunity to make a better decision for Jocelyn's self. She doesn't. And that is why viewers um, are frustrated watching the show. And that's just the general feeling of the show. Let's get into it from the beginning because that's how we do this. So the show opens with Lily Rose Depp, who plays Jocelyn, being photographed and in the middle of this like photo session. She's in this red robe, scantily clad. She's got no bra on underneath, so she's just like bare-breasted. And she's like with the photographer, and it's a close-up of her face. At first, we get the idea that she's kind of like sitting there alone, maybe even taking these selfies of herself, like it's very uncomfortable. And then we pan out and we see Jocelyn just in the middle of the room with all of these people surrounding her. Jocelyn doing intimate things with an audience is also kind of like a premise and theme throughout this entire show. So it starts off with her photograph being photographed and you know she's posing and giving sexy and giving crying and then giving happy. And you know it's kind of like the Joker, like it's watching all of these emotions um and she wants to show her boobs in this photo shoot. So she has um like an intimacy coordinator present at the shoot who is like, no, no, don't show Jocelyn's boobs. That's not in the contract. You can show side boob. You can show cleavage, but she's not showing boobs. And Jocelyn's like, I want to show my boobs. I want to show myself. This is my photo shoot. Get this guy out of here. So her manager, Kime, proceeds to lock the intimacy coordinator into the bathroom so that Jocelyn can finish the photo shoot and show her boobs the way that she wants. This is exhibit A of Jocelyn not advocating for herself. And I, I, I maybe in some sense I say it's female empowerment, like let her show her body if she wants. But this intimacy coordinator is put in place for a reason, has a rider for a reason that was constructed with Jocelyn while Jocelyn was in a um, stable mindset. Um, at least that's my understanding of what a rider is. It's worked out you know, with the artist prior to events. Um, so the boundaries are already in place. Um, so Jocelyn's like, no, fuck this. I don't want that. I want to show my boobs, whatever. While all of this is happening, we're seeing Jocelyn's team members whispering to each other and, you know, hiding Jocelyn's phone from her and going on about this picture that's been released on the internet of Jocelyn with cum on her face, um, you know, from like a ex-partner or something. So it's, it's revenge porn. It's, you know, releasing these photos without her permission. And the whole world is talking about Jocelyn's cum shot nightmare. Okay. Her facial. And the big deal is that Jocelyn had already had 
like a mental breakdown or maybe there her as her team is trying to respin it had already had like um an intense moment last year you know recovering from the death of her mom the tour had been put off no new music has been made um so the first thing to see in the headlines about Jocelyn being um you know a photo of herself exposed her team was trying to manage this and not send Jocelyn back into mental turmoil, not send Jocelyn back into the nightmare of you're not well, the media is still poaching on you, whatever. Nikki is like the record label manager and she is so toxic. The things that come out of her mouth make make me wonder in the beginning if this is like a satire. Um, it's just you know, so egregious that you're like, maybe somebody would say this in Hollywood. I could see some big Hollywood airhead saying this, you know, to try to downplay a position um, or a situation. But nonetheless, I think the show is supposed to be serious. So Nikki says mental illness is sexy. Um, This isn't a big deal that Jocelyn's been photographed that way. And let me tell you why. If Jocelyn is perfectly fine, healthy, and making sound decisions, nobody in America has a chance with Jocelyn. So Nikki's rationing is by Jocelyn being, you know, mentally damaged and not making sound decisions, that makes somebody who's sitting in his mother's basement or just some run-of-the-mill average Joe think that he has a chance with Jocelyn. This is sexy in terms of she looks great. She is, you know, eluding sex in every outfit that she wears. It's barely an outfit. She's barely being covered. Um, So Nikki's defense is that this is adding to Jocelyn's image, and this is just making more people like Jocelyn. Um, And even though, you know, it's bad look for little kids, it's a good look for all. Um, And also, you know, Jocelyn's not above mental illness. You know, Jocelyn experiences things that everyone goes through too. So the first five minutes of the show are a whole mess. Intimacy coordinator is locked away. Jocelyn's showing her boobs. Picture is viral of Jocelyn with, you know, come on her face. We see her problematic management team because, you know, Kaim locked away the intimacy coordinator. We see Nikki, you know, trying to spin things in a positive way to an obviously damaging situation. And meanwhile, Jocelyn is just kept in the dark. Next in walks Andrew Finkelstein. So everybody is buzzing about Jocelyn's photo while she is, you know, first she had a photo shoot. Now she is practicing the choreography for her new single. So her day is just, you know, doing all of these things to get ready for a supposed tour that she's going to be having. Um, Her manager from her label shows up freaking out in response to seeing the photo of Jocelyn on the internet and he's there to try to evaluate Jocelyn's mental health. He's trying to see if Jocelyn is mid-breakdown, if Jocelyn is functionable, if Jocelyn can even put out new music. Um, And so everybody is sitting there and all of her team, whether it's from the record label or whatever, her PR, her independent management, um, they're all there watching Jocelyn do choreography and she doesn't look well. It's a, it's like a eating disorder nightmare. Um, 
Like, it's just, it's just a triggering show. You know, everything Jocelyn wears is like a body check. Um, she's very thin. She's always smoking. Um, she doesn't look healthy. Um, so she's sitting there and she's going through the motions. She's not really nailing the choreography at first. And once she notices that Finkelstein is there, we see her run through this very kind of mediocre dance um, with a cameo from the girl from what is it called? BTS. Yeah. No, Blackpink. Sorry. I'm getting my Korean pop bands mixed up. So we see a cameo from Blackpink and she honestly crushes it. Like her name's Diane in the show. She crushes it. Um, I think her name's Jenny in real life, but she crushes the dance. And then we see Jocelyn, you know, try to copy the dance the same way that Diane just does it. Andrew Finkelstein just keeps bringing up how he needs to sell out 40,000 seats in an arena and how Jocelyn's picture is preventing him from doing that. After a long day of being micromanaged by her own team and going through the motions without really putting any soul into it, we see Jocelyn decide that she's going to go out for a night on the town. We see Leia, her best friend slash like I have no idea like PR person she wakes her up in the morning gives her a cigarette gives her her coffee I have no idea what she is in relation to Jocelyn other than potentially her personal assistant and friend so she is driving Jocelyn around and Diane is there and they are going out to celebrate and just have a night out to blow some steam Diane is leading the way and they go to some club where we see Tedros, okay, who is played by The Weeknd. He is the DJ at the club and playing something like, you know, I want to dance with somebody. And and in walks Jocelyn. This is important because what we find out later in the show like implicates that there's like a bigger thing being orchestrated here. So it's important to note that Diane is the one that chooses this club. Diane brings Jocelyn in. Her and Jocelyn are dancing in the middle of the dance floor and Tedros just happens to notice Jocelyn dancing with Diane um, and just disgustingly dances his way over to her with his rat tail and just creepy aura okay so he's going over to jocelyn he's like is that jocelyn oh my god i've got to dance with you he goes over to her makes a remark about how she's so sexy how could nobody fall in love with her and at the same time we're seeing the camera pan around the club to people that it looks like tedros is like nodding to or motioning to even when I watched the first time, I, it felt like something bigger was happening. It felt like he had a bald guy who was, you know, watching the friend Leia to see what she was doing. It feels like he had Isaac, this so handsome black guy, watching Leia as well to see what she's doing. And eventually he sends Isaac over to try to seduce her. This is such a bothersome Point of the entire show the darkest skin man in the show the weekend uses and sexualizes over and over again and this is another point where i'm like is this supposed to be a satire is this supposed to be like the representation of what hollywood is really like um and like and, and kind of making fun of how deranged hollywood is or is he just is he doing this himself as he's making this show because isaac's character um 
is just portrayed as this like sex god and this like you know dark skinned chocolate man who makes love to everyone and seduces them. And the weekend who produced this show relies and puts emphasis heavily into that every single episode. It's just as as uncomfortable as I am describing, and it gets worse. But Isaac is sent to you know dance with Leia. Obviously, he's hot. She's like, okay. So now Leia, the friend who is also the personal assistant and didn't really look like she wanted to be there, now she's distracted and she's dancing with someone. And Jocelyn, you know, gets alone time with Tedros. They go into a stairwell and he's talking to her about her music. And I don't even know. It, it, it's in red lighting. And I know it's an intentional to make him look like Lucifer or like I'm watching the devil, but that's what it feels like. Half the time I watch the show, I can barely even pay attention to what he's saying other than I feel so uncomfortable I would leave. So he's really close to Jocelyn. He's in the stairwell. You know, they're kind of almost close to making out. And then we see Leia walk in looking for Jocelyn. She's carrying Jocelyn's purse and she's like, Jocelyn, Jocelyn. And Tedros and Jocelyn hide and try not to make any noise so that Leia doesn't see them. Meanwhile, Jocelyn's smoking a cigarette, as she is most of the show. And I'm like, can you not smell your friend? Like, she is just puff, puff, puffing a trail behind her at all times. Can you not smell that your friend is behind the corner? Like, I would be like, Jocelyn, come out, you dumb bitch. Like, let's go. We're leaving. This guy, rapey rat tail, he's staying here. I would not be about it immediately. And that's another theme of the show. Like, men who just have the audacity. The fact that he's even capturing her attention for a minute is just like, what is happening here? Like, his rat tail is just so... He looks crusty. I know it's intentional. I know he's supposed to look like how he does. But he just looks like... Ugh. Like, you look at him and you just shower. Like, I wouldn't want to spend any considerable time with him. So... They're together, she's hiding, her friend is still looking around, and eventually the night ends with them leaving, and I think the plan is that Tedros is going to come over the house and spend more time with Jocelyn. Leia's like, dude, don't invite him over anytime, he's fucking weird, he's rapey, and she literally says he's rapey, and Jocelyn goes, that's what I kind of like about him, and laughs. Another problematic point of the show. Again, I, I can't say and take a shot every time I wonder if this is satire. Again, I'm wondering if this is supposed to be kind of making fun of or like, you know, just just trying to expose how like the flawed thinking of maybe some girls who want to be around guys like that. But Knowing that it's written by two men, it's just not the place to think that any woman thinks that way. We are in 2023 where women are speaking up for our autonomy, ourselves. We are not tolerating sexual assault. We do not want to be around a rapey guy. We do not want to be raped. We do not want to do things against our will. Um, we we don't want to have to beg for consent. A no is a no. It. I can't believe that this show is supposed to be in 2023. There's so many references that make me think of Amanda Bynes, Britney Spears, Lindsay Lohan, Paris Hilton, all the early 2000s girls who dealt with these situations. And I just can't help but think, 
why is this happening? Why is this acting like this is being done in 2023? Because with the access we have to resources, I know abuse is still happening. I know that there are still survivors and victims out there of abuse, but it is not as common to allow ourselves to be disrespected. Women are more aware of what disrespect is, what the early signs of abuse are, and we are getting away, you know, as a collective. So I know that that's a tangent on such a small comment, but that's the overall theme of the show is men acting like they know what women want. And it's scary because it it borders this idea that women really do want this dominant man who just doesn't listen to them and, you know, doesn't take no for an answer. And I know she wants it. No, don't idolize that name of the show idol. Don't idolize that. Don't put that idea out there. Don't speak for women. I'm so disappointed that this show was initially 80% done by a woman who had a completely different objective for the show, and then it was all scrapped and then directed by Sam Levinson. I was trying to be open to art being uncomfortable when I first started watching it, but this is a tale of something we've seen happen over and over again and really wasn't necessary to tell. Moving on. Despite Leia's comments that Jocelyn, ew, gross, you know, why would you want him over? She still decides to have Tedros over. And before that, let me say, I forgot this. We see Jocelyn masturbate by herself in this like little blue dress And, um, you know, after coming home from that instance with Tadris in the stairwell, her nipples are so hard. They literally look like two, like the little ends of the hot dogs that have those little lines in them. Looks like those two things were cut off and then like glued to Jocelyn throughout this whole entire series. Her nipples are hard as fuck. She's sitting on the couch in her blue dress, masturbating by choking herself Like, you can hear her sputtering, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like she just has her hand around her neck. No, she can't breathe, okay? And at the end, we see this smirky smile, like she's really pleased with herself. That's how she likes to get off. Once again, disempowering women. That I'm not going to shame what a woman likes in the bedroom, but once again, knowing that this was told by a man, please don't paint us in a position that we enjoy pain. Okay, huge problem. I had that in my notes. So Jocelyn chokes herself. She masturbates. Now we know she's kind of kinky like that. If she's doing it to herself, I'm scared to see this man introduced into the equation that already has the audacity, already acts rapey. That sets the scene for him showing up and coming to the house. Tedros shows up to the house. Um you know, to talk with Jocelyn. And when the gates open, Tedros looks like Zorro. Look up a picture of Zorro. Don't, I don't watch episode one if you haven't already planned to, or if you've watched episode one, you can just sit here and laugh with me about the fact that Tedros looks like Zorro. He's got the fucking cape on, little hat. He's got the rat tail, all black. I mean, all that he's missing is like that little eye mask. Like, that, that's truly it. So he walks in looking like Zorro, 
And his music plays in the background the entire show. Anytime anything remotely climactic happens, anytime that they're even doing anything in the background, it's like, and I wish I knew what song it was so that I could show you. Okay, no, I found it. This is it. It plays every time something is happening and they talk over it. This is the lure main theme by The Weeknd and Mike Dean. It plays the entire show. I'm not going to lie. Some of the music during this show, like, does kind of do it for me. I hate to say that, but, like, that was one of the positives of the show. Like, I did kind of enjoy the music. Okay, so anyways, that's playing. Tadris shows up, and Leia lets him into the mansion. Jocelyn's upstairs, like, playing mysterious. She's like, I'm going to take a while to come down, like, make him wait, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so she's changing into her frisky little robe, which eats, by the way. It's stunning. It's a stunning robe. I want the robe. I want the robe for me and all my friends. Like, it's sexy, okay? So that's another part of the show. Like, parts of her, like, evening wear, her nightgowns, Her robes are a 10, entire series. So she's upstairs getting ready. I think ultimately she ends up putting on this like little dress um, and these heels. So she's wearing that, getting upstairs. Leia tells him, make yourself at home. And he's like, are you sure? Like what? What, sir? When that moment happened, I felt like it's in those old movies when you let a vampire in and you don't know you're letting a vampire in. And they're like, will you ask me to come in? And it's like, why are you asking me that? Sure. And the next thing you know, it's like, like the girl's like getting fangs dove into her neck. That's what I felt like was happening. He's like, are you sure I should make myself at home? As if he's like a literal conjured up demon about to take over every orifice of the house. And he does. Spoiler, he does do that. So he makes himself at home. He makes himself a drink. Leia's like, what the fuck? This dude is so weird. Um, And she like walks away and she's like, yeah, make yourself at home. Then Tedros goes in the bathroom And looks at himself in the mirror and practices, hello, angel, over and over until he gets the face and tone that he's hoping is going to woo Jocelyn. This scares the shit out of me, too. This this was a scary scene. He is demonic in every sense. And I realize that it's intentional, but ugh, ick. So he's practicing Hello Angel. We finally see him hawk some weird loogie and leave the bathroom and in walks Jocelyn. In my notes, I have that she's wearing the robe. So my bad. I guess the dress is in another episode, but she wears this one dress that has bows on it. And when I when I recap that episode, I'll post a picture of it for this scene I'll post this robe when this episode drops so that everybody can see what I'm talking about. Um, So she shows up in her robe and she's sauntering into the room. She plays her song for Tedros and it's her song, I'm a Freak or something. And she's sitting there and kind of like dancing to it. She's like, I'm a freak. Yeah, you know you are. (laughs) And she's kind of like dancing to her own music. And then eventually she feels self-conscious and she turns it off. And she's like, 
okay, what'd you think? And he's like, I think that you should write she's a nun instead of she's a freak. And then he brings up her mother, which is what I played in the beginning. What a time to bring up her dead mother. He says, is this the first song you've wrote, the sex song, the first song you've wrote since the loss of your mother? And she's like, yes. He's like, okay. Uncomfortable. Extremely uncomfortable. Then he follows that comment up with, how is she going to act like she's a freak if she doesn't know how to fuck? And she's like, I know how to fuck. And there's this weird looming tension between them okay and then all of a sudden I did not see this the first time I watched then all of a sudden Tejeros grabs part of Jocelyn's robe and she he pretty much like strangles her with it like he he has it over her whole head so he is you know cutting off the oxygen from Jocelyn and we hear her like moaning so it so supposedly Again, this is male gaze to the T. Supposedly, no clit stimulation, no nothing, just simply gasping for air, does it for Jocelyn, and she's like, ah, ah, whatever. She comes, or something, from being asphyxiated with this cloth over her head, and all of a sudden we see the weekend take a knife out of his pocket. It's like, what the fuck is about to happen? And he uses it to and says open your mouth she opens her mouth and he literally like pierces the knife in where her mouth is supposed to be and cuts an air hole and we see her breathing out of it and he's like now you can sing and that's how episode one ends that's how they ended episode one by traumatizing us and showing us that for no reason I can't even say like how uncomfortable this show is and I watched it alone. The only thing that would make it more uncomfortable if it that if it's possible is watching it with another presence in the room, watching it with a parent, I just don't. Like don't. So this show is a moral PR just it's a nightmare it's it's really it it was a struggle to get through but curiosity killed the cat and I'm curious I wanted to know what happened in this show um and I wanted to watch it and talk about it because if it was truly as problematic as it seemed like it was going to be I want to watch and unpack why and help all of you other people who are curious not have to sit there and watch the show yourself so I hope that you enjoyed this episode. I'm going to recap episode two soon. I have my interview with Tiff Dare, which will be dropping shortly. I hope all of you enjoy that. I hope you have been enjoying the episodes lately. As I said in the beginning, leave a review if you've been loving the episodes. Make sure to share it with a friend. Make sure to subscribe if you want. Um, Follow me on Instagram. Follow me on TikTok. Do all the things. Let me know that you love Positively Uncensored. I'm going to have more merch coming soon for the summer. I did hoodies back when it was winter, and now I want to do something for the summer. So stay tuned for that. I'm going to... Ixnay the event that I had planned in August. Timing is just not working out. And to be honest, The Bachelor is so late. It's a late time slot. This 9 to 11 and two hours of 
full content is a lot. So I'm going to ixnay the Bachelorette event. I am going to do something with Brie, who has her own podcast, Brie the Black Sheep, for another show that we watch. But until then, I'll be recapping. Make sure to check out the newsletter from Ash Talks Batch. You can find her on Instagram. Make sure to listen to Bachelor Rabbit Hole. Check out the podcast I mentioned to tide you over for everything The Bachelorette. And stay tuned and look at my Instagram stories because I'll continue recapping. More Vanderpump Rules info is coming out, so I will be recording a Vanderpump Rules Uncensored episode soon. Make sure to follow that podcast on Spotify and stay tuned for all the things. Love you all. Hope you're having a great week. Bye.